Hello, this is Sheena Byron from AllFromEternity.com introducing our new podcast series. In the podcast, I'll be carrying out interviews with maternity workers and childbirth activists, hopefully to stimulate discussion. All for Maternity is our platform for learning, sharing and caring and we have lots of e-learn modules, blogs and a nurture zone, two journals including the Practicing Midwife Journal and the New Student Midwife Journal. Do come and take a look, we'd love you to join us and that's at allformaternity.com. Thank you. Good morning from, from Bulgaria. I'm in Sofia and I'm sat in a hotel room with some amazing midwives because there's been a symposium, a medical symposium where three of us have been invited to speak and we'll come on to that later but I'm delighted to say that Joanna and Ilona are midwives here in Sofia. They've agreed for me to interview them so it's a huge privilege for me and I've got um, I've got Joanna on my left and Ilona on my right and just outside behind me is the people's what's it called the people's National Palace of Culture National Palace of Culture which is a huge building right in the center and it's absolutely fabulous and that's where we were speaking yesterday so there's like all kinds of lovely things happening outside the window the sun's shining it's quite hot here isn't it it's hot on this seat anyway and just in front of me are kim and tracy they're midwives and um and they're listening as well so we've got a bit of a party going on mm -hmm. even though it's sunday morning we're about to catch a flight back to the uk and so this is a bit of a rushed kind of interview but i think anyone listening you're going to have a real treat in store because these two midwives that I'm going to talk to in a moment, these Bulgarian midwives, are really changing the face of maternity care in Bulgaria. And for me, it's a huge honour to be part of that revolution, because I believe it is a revolution. So, it's really lovely to be here with you. So, first of all, um, Joanna, do you want to just introduce yourself? Hello everyone, it's a huge privilege to be talking on this podcast. Um, we are part of a midwifery practice called Zebra Midwives and we've been doing what we are doing for three and a half years now. As soon as we graduated from medical university with our midwifery degrees, we founded our midwifery practice. And I can proudly say that this is um, the first autonomous midwifery practice that offers continuity of care, which is a completely unfamiliar concept in Bulgarian midwifery. And women are just beginning to figure out how useful and how incredibly powerful this bond between midwives and women is when you do continuity. Fantastic. And so how long have you been a midwife? Oh, both of us have been midwives for three and a half years, so three and a really, half years. really short time. Wonderful. And uh, you live, you've lived here all your life, have you, in this, in Bulgaria? Have you lived in Bulgaria all your life? I lived abroad for some time. Yeah, I'll come on to oh, uh, Alana yeah, in a minute. I, I lived, yeah, I lived abroad for some time and I did try a couple of other things in my life that didn't make sense once I had my kids. So um, after I had my kids, I went through maternity services the way they are organized and they've been organized for decades and they were like this for my mom as well and 
I'm so grateful for this relationship that I have with my colleague, which gave rise to the possibility to think about a midwifery practice, which was unthinkable before. And it's undoable by one person. So luckily, there's two of us doing this. Wonderful, wonderful. So thank you. And and then on my right is is Ilona. So so you, that that's been an introduction to the, your practice. Um, and what about you? Have you always lived here, Ilona? Do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Yes. Yes. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Sheena, for inviting us. It's a really a huge privilege for us. Um, so I've been living in Sofia, and not in Sofia, but in Bulgaria. Uh, the whole of my life so this is where I got all of my life and professional experience um, I wanted to say that we've been midwives for four and a half years but that uh, but for three and a half years we are working in a hospital and we are um, doing this continuity of care uh, that we're talking about because um, before uh, before working in hospital we were just uh, consulting women and doing some prenatal and postnatal care but intrapartum care wasn't part of our scope of practice and now um, it's been a three and a half years Wow well yeah, that's. I mean, it's for, for when I see what you're doing, um, I it, it just makes me want to jump up and down with joy, and that's because I kind of have had a little bit of an insight into what it's like for women to have a baby in this country. And um, the first time I came, I was shocked, but I have been even more shocked this time. And so, just so that other midwives who who are listening and anyone who's listening. Would any of, would either of you like to explain, or both of you together, just really the, you know, the general concept of what it's like for women in Bulgaria and in Sofia or all Bulgaria for them when they have a baby? One of the first things that we have to mention is that we don't have guidelines that allow us to work in a unified way with every pregnant woman. So every pregnant woman woman would receive care that is based on the preferences of the obstetrician that um, is providing the care. And by preferences, I mean this is personal experience and also whatever the obstetrician has seen in life and whatever they think is right to do. So there are huge discrepancies. I will give a very basic example. Having a low hemoglobin is um, something very debatable in our country for a pregnant woman. So there are different parameters of low hemoglobin. And you can imagine what if such a small thing creates discrepancies when we get to the um, bigger issues such as um, how women should give birth, where where is it possible for women to give birth, how much of a problem this creates that we don't have guidelines. And this is one of the things that um, we've been rallying for this whole time to make our colleagues realize how helpful it would be for their own practice if we had evidence-based guidelines the way you guys are working um, in Great Britain. 
So women would receive obstetric care. They would uh, oftentimes see a whole bunch of people providing uh, piecemeal information and providing care that is very much fragmented and doesn't um, unify the whole picture for one single compassionate person. And compassion is not even part of the care because it is considered irrelevant to greater issues such as safety and the bigger fallacy is that having so many high-profile professionals involved in the care of women provides safety so it's all about safety and risk and many people giving opinions about safety and this reaches a point where we have come to make women uh, go to the eye doctor to get permission to give vaginal birth so these are some of the dimensions dimensions of um, uh, high quality care provision that make no sense but are actually happening. Mm. And what about midwives? So I'm midwives, so thank you for that, Joanna. So Ilona, I'm midwife. Do you think midwives are autonomous practitioners here? No, they're definitely not autonomous practitioners. Um, all of um, the midwives' uh, practice is. Uh, Leaded by doctors, mm-hmm. the doctor is the final decision maker every time, and uh, it, the worst thing is that not only the midwives are not autonomous, but women are not autonomous too in okay. during uh, pregnancy and childbirth. So the doctor is the final decision make- maker for women. And for midwives. So would you say that women don't have any rights or and are they bothered about that? Well um, of course it's difficult to say it like this but um, when your doctor is not agreed with what you want and what you need usually what happens is that um, his uh, opinion is um, Yes, it's valid. Okay, yeah. So that that kind of so it would it would make women feel that they just had to do as they were told. In in fact, is that the kind of? But but then if there's a difference, isn't there? You've got private and public care. So is that you know is there a difference between care delivered in those in those two institutions? We we wouldn't say that there is a difference because um, the medical professionals who work in private care have come from a long experience of working in the public sector mm-hmm. so the care provided in both sectors is pretty much the same in terms of quality there could be differences in what the rooms look like mm-hmm. after women have given birth mm-hmm. and what um, the beds feel like and how many functions they have and stuff like that but definitely the core of the ca- the care is the same in the public and the private sector Okay. One of the things that alarmed me, sorry, the other night we were actually having dinner and there was an obstetrician around the table, uh, on the table that we were sat at. And she said that, um, that in, you know, in, in some private hospitals that the cesarean section rate was almost 70%. It could be um, 70%. And after I nearly fell off my chair, I was kind of thinking about that. And uh, she said that women... Um, had women could choose whether they had a cesarean or not, which is something that's being uh, sort of 
pushed in the United Kingdom. But she also said um, that women fear normal birth because Tracy asked her the question, do they do you inform the women that ask for cesarean? Do you inform them of the risks? And she said she didn't answer that. She just said they're so worried about the risks of normal birth. So they just want to have a cesarean. And if we don't give them cesarean, they'll go to another hospital. So we have this situation where women are being uh, thinking that having an operation is is easier, is better for everyone concerned. They don't understand the short or long term implications because they're not being informed about that. And the cesarean section rate is going higher and higher and nobody seems to take it, is taking any notice of it, even though we have all this global evidence, global pressure, actually, to now try to reduce the cesarean section rate, especially when it's going way above what it should do. And I think that cesarean section is just the tip of the iceberg. We tend to sometimes focus on that when actually there's so many other things happening underneath that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that was highlighted was yesterday when Tracy Cooper, who sat in the room too, who's a wonderful... Dr Tracy Cooper, OBE, um, Mm -hmm. was sat in the room and um, is sat in the room and she was speaking yesterday at the conference about lithotomy do either of you want to talk about what happened there because it was oh, wow. a it was a real kind of i feel an important moment um about lithotomy position in labor and this is one of the things that you're facing all the time so what happened well that that was yesterday yeah. and we definitely had time to reflect on what happened at that conference and recollect ourselves because um, emotions were running high in the sky and um, it was definitely something that we didn't expect um, to unfold to this extent because there was definitely um, open fire I would say mm-hmm. um, that that's on the one hand and on the other hand um, Ilona and I actually expected this um, reaction because we knew that when you get down to the basics of how you provide woman-centered care, which means putting um, the woman's desire to be in any position that she wants to be when she's pushing, you know, because that was the focus of Tracy's talk. Yeah, do you want to just say what Tracy's talk was? Yeah, Tracy's talk was about um, thinking about uh, second stage positions beyond the lithotomy position because this is the uh, basic Um, um, most routine position that all babies in Bulgaria are born in because it gives uh, the opportunity for the midwife and the doctor to have um, direct oversight of Mm. um, the place where the action is happening and to interfere when needed and when not needed because we are very hands-on. We use the um, Ritken and modified Ritken maneuver to deliver every baby. I've never heard of that. What is that? Um, this Ritgen. Um, Ritgen maneuver. This is a maneuver that was invented um, in the second half of uh, the previous century, I believe, or it could be earlier even, and it just gives uh, the midwife or the obstetrician access to the perineum of the woman to um, stretch it as much as possible when the head is crowning or even before it's crowning, um, which is problematic in many ways because some women don't like to be directed where to push. 
um, and it could also make the tissues swell up with mm. uh, all that touching that is going on and um, after the head starts um, crowning um, there is a particular position where you place the left and the right hand of the midwife so that the midwife can assist the delivery of the head, the head in a way that um, allows um, the flexion of the head mm -hmm. to not be coming out too quickly mm -hmm. so that n um, ruptures are avoided. But sometimes this leads to all sorts of modifications of the maneuver itself that kind of um, result in the head being extracted forcefully and then especially when the shoulders are to be born, um, forceful rotation in restitution and um, pulling on the baby so that the shoulders are delivered immediately after the head is born. And um, there are all sorts of modifications of this because everybody does what they believe is useful or beneficial for women and you cannot beat that with any evidence because we're not used to working with evidence. No. We don't understand the importance of evidence and large cohorts informing the practices that we have. Mm. So <laughs> scrap evidence and just um, keep on doing the Ritgen maneuver to deliver all babies and when Tracy very humanly explained how another way of delivering the baby as possible by just, you know, cupping your hands and catching the baby or having a warm compress on the perineum and um, receiving the baby. It made all the midwives, among some of them are our previous teachers from our uh, education at the Medical University here in Sofia. Um, so all of them were completely scandalized by um, the lack of skill in what they presumed Tracy was talking about because when you're not using these midwifery skills that they've been practicing for decades and teaching midwives mm -hmm. even to this day um, it just seemed like what would mid what would the mid role of the midwife be if she is not applying this left hand right hand pulling stretching strategy that is supposedly mm -hmm. beneficial so it also makes them feel like wow if we're just waiting for the baby to slip out in our hands how are we different from the women that we're serving how do we make ourselves feel better about the position hierarchically that we have um, because the medical profession starting with doctors at the top is still something very much revered in mm -hmm. our society and if we bow down or if we kneel in front of the woman and catch the baby then it does something to that power dynamic that mm -hmm. is so ingrained in the way we mm -hmm. serve women and it destabilizes everyone's yeah. sense of identity and sense of worth yeah I, I got that feeling yesterday it was quite alarming actually to see the reaction because it was to me it was I mean it was in in the, in the best it was disrespectful oh, and at worst it was aggressive and yeah. almost violent um, and it was a shame because well in a way it was it was a shame but it, but on the other hand you know it was I felt that it was probably a turning point because we've you've opened the you've opened the pit do you know you've kind of looked we've looked in now and seen publicly seen the kind of concern that there is at, at just 
in that in, and really it is a fundamental issue isn't it having a baby the baby the position for the mother is a fundamental principle of positive childbirth experience Absolutely. and so in the night i kept thinking about because i didn't know before yesterday that most women were led on their backs with their feet in lithotomy all women all women There's no most women all, all women. women so yes. For me, it's just been like one of those. Whoa! I didn't. Re- I thought maybe some would, um, but but because from for me, I in my with in my career, I think that this is going to be one of the one of the things that in 30 years' time, certainly midwives in the UK and in in other countries similar, I think they'll be thinking, why on earth did we do that ever? Mm-hmm. Because some of the things I did as a young midwife, like shave an enema, which mm-hmm. we're going to come on to, <laughs> is um is you know. Now, when I tell student midwives that I used to separate mums and babies and not give them food in labour and do all these things, they go, what? And so hopefully in 30 years time in Bulgaria, you know, that there won't there won't be this because those midwives, like someone said, will have moved on and other young ones, enlightened ones. Just, yeah, there's so much to talk about, Joanna and and, uh, Ilona, and I just wish I could stay here all day because I know that midwives will really like hearing you, hearing about your experiences for many reasons. But um, one of the things that struck me yesterday was a young, a very young midwife came over to me, obviously not as confident as you two, and, uh, you know, I know that you, you, you maybe think differently, but she came over very shyly and said she'd just qualified and she was heartbroken about the responses and she felt embarrassed and she wanted to say thank you for us coming and she said it's the you know the only hope we've got in this country is the fact that Ilona and Joanna are are practicing this way and really I don't know what to do we don't I, I really don't know what to do because she said do you know those were my teachers and that's when I, I that, was, that was the first time I knew that they were because I hadn't mm-hmm. spoken to you. And so there we have somebody who's desperate for change. And then I spoke to briefly to um, someone who works for the Bulgarian Midwives Association, not works for, but she's part of that. Mm-hmm. And I was delighted to see her and I, I hoped we would have had a, a longer chat. Um, and she just expressed the fact that she thought that... Um, you know whilst she believed you two were doing incredible work she felt that it was a bit too soon and a bit too much and so my response to that and I still maintain this and would say it and I know Tracy says the same and Kim is that actually it's what you're doing is what we're doing every day in the UK and I'm not saying that we're perfect because we're not certainly not by a long way but at least women have that opportunity in the United Kingdom to have a baby the way they want to, usually most of the time. And um, so you're not doing anything radical within the UK, but they, everyone thinks it's radical here. Mm-hmm. And Tracy said, yeah, but you have to be, you have to go far left in order to meet in the middle. And I did explain that to her. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about, um, you've got two midwives now working with you, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Two new midwives. So how do you see it like, how do you think that your what you're doing is hopefully going to influence the way um, the, the way maternity care is provided? Well, I, I just uh, wanted to say something I was thinking about while you were talking. Um, it was that once um, I thought that 
someone should come and do things better for us because we are not capable of doing it. And then um, I realized that there there is no one <laughs> to come and do this for us and that it's us who should do this. And it was a, a really um, life-changing uh, moment when I realized this because we were like, oh, for example, Sheena should come, she should bring her friends and we should make a revolution together. And then I was like, oh, why would she do that? <laughs> she has so much things to do. And this is something that we have to do for ourselves. And it was really, really important thing to, to realize. And um, this is why uh, I, our hope is in these new midwives that are coming, that yeah. are still in the university, mm -hmm. that are visiting our um, meetings and our events, mm -hmm. and that are coming with a really wonderful um, um, energy. No, Oh, feedback. Uh, feedback. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I love this. Um, it's brilliant. Thank you. So this is what our hope is for. So uh, having two new midwives is really a breath of fresh air mm. for us. You know, it's, it was great to see, meet them yesterday and, and the day yes. before. And um, just to follow up on what Ilona said, it's amazing that um, our teachers actually the way they reacted yesterday they didn't use their most uh, routinely used weapon which is this could never happen here because they know what we're doing and yes. they have seen the photos because we're super public about what we do we have this amazing doulas that take the photographs in our births and there are photo albums and stuff <clears throat> so um they couldn't use um, the the fact that this never happened. This can never happen here because they know it's happening. It's happening, yeah. It's happening. Just, yeah. And and honestly, that's a very big victory for us because that's one little arrow that they didn't shoot. Yeah. And, and that's a bit. It is that. That's like a breakthrough for you as it's well. It's a total breakthrough. Yeah. They can't say anything. And now we're kind of on the on the same level with them, even though they can't really uh, process that thought because even though they're teachers of midwives we're qualified now and we have the professional experience too now even though it's much shorter than theirs and we're on the same level whether they want to admit it or not we're on the same level I don't care if I'm teaching or in the university or not we are all midwives now we all pay our monthly fee to the um, professional organization so we are there on the same page and they cannot say that this cannot be done because we are doing it wonderful and you know, I want to come on to that. I just want you to briefly explain in a minute how you work and where you work in what you do. But just to pick up on what you mm -hmm. said, Ilona, mm -hmm. is that what you just said is a really big message to midwives all around the world. Oh, yeah. When you said that you suddenly realized yes. that nobody else could do it, you had to do it. Because sometimes, you, sometimes what happens 
is you midwives say to me i we i can't do it because my managers are like this or they're like that or and i always say to them right you know be the change you have to be the change even if it's really really hard and and what you've done and what you've demonstrated and i know sue down talks about it all the time when she gives amazing speeches around the world she puts your pictures up as 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 beacons of hope because even though you don't think it's perfect and you're still facing all these huge challenges all these tribulations that you you know you're crashing against walls every minute of every day that you are actually living the dream and you know the women I've met some of the women who you've cared for and they've written to me in messages just over the past 24 hours and told me that you've literally changed their lives your actions the fact that you've worked so hard that you've been brave and courageous you've actually changed their lives and the photographs to prove that and so when you said at the beginning that this is a huge honor and a privilege the privilege is ours like to be part of it everyone is crying in the room everybody <laughs> like there's everyone We're all crying. Is tearing up i'm the only one who's holding it down <laughs> well you can tell us then whilst we try our eyes just tell um, everyone how you're working very briefly because we've got to catch a plane oh, but very briefly just tell everyone how you work mm. and the, you know the, how you do it in in practice just quickly we are super public about what we do so we use facebook and social media all the time to advertise what we offer because we don't think that women understand the benefits of continuative care and what it actually means and how much it matters for the start and for the transitioning into motherhood so we keep posting um photographs we keep posting messages to women and they hear about us they hear from friends about us and they book their first appointment it could be in the beginning of pregnancy it could be later on in pregnancy it could be at any point of time and they meet with us and they spend every time they see us they spend an hour with us so every appointment is an hour long which makes a huge difference because in 15 minutes you cannot say all that you can say in one hour so we do an hour of getting to know each other getting to know their medical history getting to know what they want for the birth and um, even cracking jokes at each other because uh, we try to break down this barrier between medical professionals and women like we get down to the I mean we go on the same uh, level as them because after all um, we Ilona and I yes we are midwives but we have been women for way longer than midwives so we're just there with them and in all of these meetings that are always hour long, we make sure that they're always hour long, we see them and we have time to get to know them so that when the time for birth comes, we have not only covered all of their um, blood tests, informed consent forms, vaginal swabs, all of the things that need to be together as documentation for the birth to go smoothly, but we know who we're dealing with. We know what they want and we know that once uh, their plan A doesn't work, we can go to plan B and still have respectful care for them and still try to fulfill some of the stuff that can be uh, done in their situation and we do go out of their way no we go out of our way to uh, make it happen for them in a way that they wanted because now we have this relationship with them that makes us go out of our way and risk a lot of um, um, and risk getting a lot of backlash from our colleagues and from just the hospital in general because what we do is uh, great and mediocre at best by British standards but it's 
it's revolutionary and radical here. So in order to have the desire and the strength to go out of your way, you have to feel something for this woman. And this only happens when you're in a relationship with her. And that's wonderful. And I always say courage comes from compassion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just you just absolutely demonstrated that perfectly. Wow. So, okay. So you've had 80 births, right, in a year or since April? You've facilitated 80 births. For this year, it's 80. I I believe that by the end of the year, we'll go over 100. Really? So this is the most births we've we've had. And you're going to publish the stats, aren't you? Oh, we publish the stats twice a year. I think this year we missed it because we were doing something else, but we always, always publish our stats, even though nobody else understands why the hell are we publishing our stats? (laughs) And what does this even mean? We do. We're going to publish your stats in a blog post we're going to do that as well like it'd be great to get you to translate the blog post into bulgarian as well wouldn't it but just before we finish because i know you we have to do other things but i just we can't not talk about tracy cooper right and i know she's sat in front of me (laughs) and she's got her head in her hands and she's going no 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 right so can you just tell everybody because i go on about tracy cooper all the time in, in the uk and elsewhere and she's one of my heroines in life. Yay, okay, and yay. and just just tell the li- all our listeners what Tracy Cooper d- has done for you. This is the easy. Well, you can add on at the end if that's what it means to you. She, she's gonna have the final word. Ilana's gonna have the final <laughs> yeah. word. So Tracy is the most amazing, easiest person that we were able to connect with because from a half sentence she was already on board with what we were doing and she just jumped right into our story that is difficult to comprehend because there are so many bureaucratic and um, idiosyncratic country specific things that are part of our story that you really have to be um, stubborn and sit through the whole story in order to understand it in details and be helpful and she had the patience to sit through the whole story and get to know all the power dynamics and the weirdness of all participants that were insistent on doing the way things are done for decades and decades just because that's how they're done and she sat through all of that boring stuff to realize what Um, our position is and how she can be useful to us and I think this is amazing because it takes dedication to something that is not in your backyard like Bulgaria, Dovridge, you know it's like not really (laughs) in her vicinity and (laughs) she was like okay I'm just gonna go out of my way and be really really invested in this story to see how I can be helpful and she did everything humanly possible to teach us how to use our hands, how to use our ears, how to observe women, how to talk to them. Because honestly, yes, we are nice, but we didn't know how to talk to them because we've never been talked to in this way. And we've never seen that by our um, uh, professors, teachers in, at school. And you never get to see this human interaction on on a professional level ever. So by setting an example, coming to spend time with us way longer than two days, like she would she would come over and over to Bulgaria and she would spend long chunks of time and she would come to our practice, have our uh, antenatal visits with us, sit through everything, fill out the documents, give us uh, guidelines. So by doing all of this really practical stuff, because it's one thing, you know, to have, um, a long distance conversation about something or hearing somebody speak at a conference and it's another thing to have the person 
in the antenatal visit mm -hmm. and actually guiding you on how to be the best that you can be. And um, that's amazing because this is um, care on another level. Yeah. And um, and she never stops supporting us. It's really amazing. We we are sometimes bored with with ourselves and and boring <laughs> to each other from from all the stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis. I know. Like it's, it's the same crap over and over again. And 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 she's just like, okay, let's see what we can do to help you now. Let's see how we can really make this work for women. And we're like, oh my God, thank you for this <laughs> reminder that yes, this is we need to be good to women. And we can do something to improve stuff. And, and it's worked. And so, oh, Tracy, right, I know what you've done as well because I've been watching from afar. And <laughs> so, need, I think... You really need a video of, of, of what, how her, she's reacting yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that we can't show you listeners, but, yeah, she seriously is wonderful. And that is why she got... Um, that's why she got an MBE. And, uh, yeah, and I, I kind of nominated her for that. So... We were in partnership uh, because I just know that Tracy Cooper is one of the, the most important leaders that we've got in the world. And she's a dear friend. And Kim's in the room as well. And yes. Kim's helped by when you went to Preston, didn't you, in Lancashire? You flew oh, over absolutely. and worked in Lancashire Teaching Hospitals. Kathy Atherton facilitated that as well. I know she'll be listening. Wonderful, Kathy. Mm -hmm. And Kim here has been over and talking, haven't she, and talking about her being the team leader of a case loading yeah. team that's doing Eden team that's doing wonderful things in Lancashire. So um, so I, I just know that you've got all this support and it's great. So my job is to keep speaking out about what you're doing because I do know that there are other people like you who are just waiting in the sidelines and they, they're, they're almost ready to go but they don't know whether they can do it or not. And what you've just said, the pair of you is just... Yeah, so I don't know whether Ilona you want to say Ilona you want to I say anything. I just wanted to say about Tracy that sometimes uh, Ivana and I, uh, while we are in a difficult situation, we would sit and say, um, "Okay, what would Tracy do?" <laughs> so this is uh, how important she is for us, and. Um, the, this is what I would say to the um, midwives all around the world. Um, just find Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not sharing. That. No, um, just have someone to be your model, role model. Mm. And when you're wondering what should I do now, just um, have a seat and think what would my role model do. And I think that you eventually, and, and now, will, will, could be role models for others. Do you know, it, it might be that people start to contact you I'm to say... I'm not 63 yet. Ah, shut up, <laughs> neither is Tracy. But listen, it's because everybody, I keep saying to them, do as I say because I'm 63. But to get um, her way. <laughs> it's because they're real strong characters, you know. Tracy's <laughs> in the room, and I'm not interviewing Tracy, obviously, we're not chatting to her, but... Just do you want to say anything to these two? But you'll have to come closer to the recorder, Tracy. Do you, is there anything you want to say to everybody about these two? Oh, I could talk all day about these two. <laughs> but um, the one thing is really is that I'm so proud of what they've achieved. They've just been so incredible. You know, from um, 
the little practice that they had a thought of um, that they wanted to do and how they've been so brave in setting that up and, um, and moving that forward then to moving into a birth centre and then to a different one as well to be able to provide the care that they really wanted to give to women um, it's just been incredible and I'm so proud of them and they've just been just wonderful absolutely wonderful oh thanks Tracy thank you so if you so there's kissing going on now and hugging so um, we're going to have to finish now but I just wondered if both of you could if there's anything you want to um, you want any message that you would like to just give to midwives out there that are and and doulas and maternity support workers and mothers or anyone who feels that things aren't right where they are and they really want to change the way women have babies because we know that you know it's the most important time is being born and and dying the moment of death and the moment of birth are the two most important rites of passage and um so what what message would you would you give to a midwife out there or anyone who is thinking about change? In birth, there are things that are objectively right and true, and a midwife should never forget or get um, lost in all the mixed messages that the system, the obstetricians, the other midwives, the professional organization is giving her. So don't get lost in the mixed messages because there is one objectively truthful and right way of providing midwifery care and it's backed up by evidence it's backed up by your role models so thank you anything from you Alona well what can I say just do what you can while while you're living wonderful because then (laughs) you're dead (laughs) exactly exactly no, but it's true. I, I, yeah, I kept telling you that I've not got long, didn't I? But just <laughs> just keep thinking that because I think that's a really important message because, you know, we were saying last night that it's, it's not really, you might not see the change in your lifetime, yeah. but at least you played a part in it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the po- these podcasts are important and blog posts and books and all kinds of stuff. So... I'm going to go now because we have to do other things before we pack and get off on the plane. So thank you. I'm getting hotter and hotter in this room. My back is boiling. And um, <laughs> and so I'm about to leave Bulgaria, but we hope we hope that we'll be coming back. Oh, you and you know we'll be supporting you from afar. And so thank you so much for not just at the whole experience, but for taking time for me to allow me to interview you. And uh, I love you both very much. Thank you. you.